You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. To search for the Our American Stories podcast, go to the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Up next comes a story from a regular contributor, Brent Timmons of Delaware. Take it away, Brent. I don't even like cats, for reasons too numerous to mention. 
starting with the fact my allergic reaction to them ruined my entire childhood. But this one turned up in the form of a newborn kitten. Apparently its mother, likely a stray that the neighbor feeds, was in the midst of moving it from one place to another and got as far as the middle of our driveway. I found it as I was headed out to work on a Monday morning. I went back in the house and told Tina, annoyed because this shouldn't be our problem, and squeamish because the chances of its survival were minimal. We hoped that the mother would soon return and finish the transport. Perhaps I caught the incident in progress. So I left for work and Tina was going to move it if the mother didn't show up soon. Tina called a friend who works with a veterinarian and asked about whether moving the kitten would hinder the mother from picking it back up. Apparently not, so she moved it off into some ground cover beside the driveway. And there the kitten rested, all day long. The mother did not return, and possibly never would. It so happened that a cat was hit by a car down the street as the day unfolded. We didn't know for sure, but it may have been the mother cat. To make matters worse, our young, tender-hearted 12-year-old Asher found the kitten and reported it to his mother, who directed him to me. Daddy, there's a kitten in the yard. What should we do? I told him we were hoping the mother would pick it up, but we didn't think it was going to live. We should let it be for now. At this point, The whole kitten incident was defeating me. I couldn't imagine nursing it and began to consider the best way to euthanize the poor thing. Nature had a way of dealing with this kind of event. Surely by Tuesday morning, she would have dealt with it so I didn't have to. Tuesday morning came and I went out early to see how nature had done overnight before the boys went off to school. The kitten was lying there where we had left it. It should have been dead by that point. Then it let out a pitiful meow. Nature had failed and went back in and reported nature's failure to Tina. How about I call your dad, she asked. Excellent idea. He had the time and stomach to deal with this. Before Tina called him, she called our vet friend back, who offered to look at the cat. Dad volunteered to take the kitten. Later in the day, I got the news. A home had been found for the kitten. My dad couldn't bear to leave it with the vet. He brought it home, and my mother would bottle feed it. They had enjoyed the company of cats in the past. A cat for them was a good fit. I didn't know the details at the moment. I assumed there was a conversation between him and mom as he considered what to do, with my mom suggesting he bring it back home. I pictured him doing this because it is his character to treat my mother in this kind of loving way. As it turned out, it may have been as much my dad's desire as hers. I suspect they both reached the decision simultaneously. Mom brought the kitten to Asher's baseball game that evening, settled in a blanket in a sack. She treated it like a newborn baby, with the same care and love. It was drinking every couple of hours, and looked content, 
like a kitten should. This was a good thing. Wednesday morning, Mom texted that the little kitten wasn't doing well. It had stopped drinking. Mom had talked to my sister-in-law about it, and she knew of a family with a cat who had a two-week-old litter of kittens. Perhaps the mother cat would take our little kitten. After a 35-minute ride, the kitten was united with the surrogate mother, who accepted it immediately as its own. And then Thursday morning, I got another text from Mom. The kitten had died overnight. Mom was deeply saddened by the loss of the kitten. At least it was loved, I told her. Yes, that is some comfort, she said. But I can't believe how emotional I am about this. I can, Mom, because that's who you are. You are a mother at heart, in all situations. It is what defines you as a great mother and a great person, and it is why we are privileged to have you as our mother. And a terrific job on the production and the editing and storytelling by Aaron Phillips. And a special thanks to Brent Timmons of Delaware. He's a regular contributor. And I love the way that story started with brutal honesty. I don't like cats. And a lot of people are cat people and a lot of people aren't. But in the end, that tug of that living, well, that living, lonely, helpless creature, well, it won his heart enough to move that cat to his mom, who loved that cat for the little time it was on this earth. And in the end, what a salute to motherhood, and what a salute by Brent to his own mom, who was born to do just that, nurture thing. And indeed, that's what mothers do. And by the way, if you have a pet story, your first pet, or anything like it, there's something special about the relationship between us and our animals. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. That's OurAmericanStories.com. The story of a kitten, the story of Brent Timmons, and the story of his mother, here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist 
and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. And we continue with our American stories, and now we bring you the story of Game to Grow, a nonprofit that uses Dungeons and Dragons as a tool in therapy. Here to explain what they do are Adam Johns and Adam Davis. Um, as we talk to, to people kind of around the country, and especially people who are not not in the gaming or um, or kind of geek um, atmosphere or culture, oftentimes they assume Dungeons & Dragons is a video game. So here's, here's how I usually describe it. Um, there's one person who acts as the sort of head storyteller and referee of the game. And they know most of the rules and they can explain most of the rules to the game. And that person's usually referred to as the dungeon master or the game master. 
and they sit at the head of the table and they describe stuff that's happening in the world and then everybody else who's sitting at the table um, is uh, just playing a character in that world a single character and they have a piece of paper that tells them things like how strong their character is or what kind of equipment they have or what kinds of abilities they have and this all takes place in a fantasy world much like lord of the rings where there are swords and bow and arrow and uh, full suits of armor and of course magical spells and the dungeon master might describe something like all of you have uh, decided to venture into this dark cave where you can see that there are there's mildew growing on the walls, there's mold, um, and there is a um, dripping coming from the stalactites in the ceiling. You're here because you've heard of a tremendous treasure um, that apparently was lost in these caves a long time ago, and you've decided you're going to go after that treasure. Maybe even you have a map to help guide you through. And as you travel further down into the cave, it's very dark, um, but you can see that the walls have been carved out like somebody has carved them with man-made tools. And you travel deeper and deeper into this cave system until finally you open up into a, a large room. And in this large room, you can see um, across the way is a door on the other side of a very large gap. Um, and the gap seems to stretch very far down into the ground. But the thing that really catches your eye is that hanging above the gap, uh, clinging for dear life, appears to be a small gnome man. And he's uh, hanging from a rope. And he sees you as you walk in and he uh, shouts to you, Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for being here! I'm so happy somebody finally showed up! Please help me! And at this point in time, uh, the dungeon master then says, What do you do? And all of the players at the table get to decide what their character does to sort of overcome this this challenge or this situation. So they might do all sorts of things. A uh, warrior character might um, leap across the pit and try to grab the gnome uh, to save him from, from falling down into the pit. A, um, a ranger or an archer character um, might shoot a bow with a, with a rope tied to it and tightrope walk across the, the pit and, and um, save the gnome that way. Or a wizard character who can cast magic spells might uh, use a magic spell that can pull the rope and get it swinging so the gnome might be able to jump off. And no matter what they do, they're going to do it together because all the players at the table are all working on a team together. They're not competing with each other. Instead, they are working cooperatively towards a common goal. And in this case, the common goal of the game is not the most points. It's not even to achieve a particular goal. Even in this case um, of the example I gave, you're not trying to get treasure. You're trying to tell a story. And that's one of the really brilliant things about um, games like Dungeons and Dragons is that the point of the game is to tell a story. And because that's really the goal of the game, because that's really the place that you're trying to get to, everybody at the table might have a different idea for what that story looks like, but they know they're all working towards that goal. Um, and that's what really turns it into a, a brilliant and amazing experience as the dungeon master continues to describe things in the world, continues to describe whether or not the player's um, uh, attempts to, to do those things are successful. Um, and the players get to roll dice to help add randomness and, and help determine the, the outcomes of their action and get to really have the most open-ended gaming experience you can possibly have where they can decide and, and try anything that comes to their minds in a very loose um, uh, 
a rule system that allows you to be very flexible with the outcomes of it. A lot of game masters, to, to my chagrin, um, I don't like the fact that they often see themselves as adversaries of the players. There's oftentimes an antagonistic relationship where the game master uh, sees themselves as needing to challenge and there's like a ha-ha, your characters are going to die today because my monsters are going to be stronger than them. And we don't do anything like that. Um, our goal as game masters is very much to challenge the players, but also to keep them engaged and keep them excited. So we do that by challenging them the right amount, um, building on their ideas while they build on our space, um, on, on our ideas, because we are uh, we're co-creating co and collaborating in this in this game where that's oftentimes uh, for many of our players the first time an adult has said, what do you care about? What do you want to do? So then the players now see an adult who is playing with them, really playing with them in a way that is very healing to a lot of a lot of participants, especially ours, who are identified at school as, as oftentimes being an outcast. People tell them what to do all the time, very rarely say, what do you care about? What is something that you want out of life? And so this is an opportunity where they can push boundaries and see what happens when they take up space and then have an adult be excited about the choices that they're making. We started doing what we're doing right now using Dungeons and Dragons in therapeutic social skills groups largely by accident. Adam and I both started playing Dungeons and Dragons when we were pretty young. Uh, got a lot out of it. We played games with our friends. We got to use all the uh, all the mechanics of the games and the storytelling of the game to really get a lot of social outlet when we were kids. I, Adam Davis, was um, studying drama therapy because I had wanted to use the, the drama games and experiences that I had had as a performer and then as a drama teacher to help kids, um, help kids become more into themselves and learn about themselves and, and how they could interact with the world better. And so Adam and I met in grad school and I started picking up um, an after school program that was a Dungeons and Dragons program for quirky kids who needed a little, a little guidance and social support. And I took the game over and realized that Dungeons and Dragons is actually a, a perfect uh, modality for sit-down drama therapy. So we uh, started using the game a little more intentionally and then um, just barely scratching the surface. And then when um, my facilitator at the time left to go pursue other interests, there was an opening and I knew Adam from grad school. So we had kind of like done that thing where we, uh, we, we brought uh, some things from our personal lives as sort of a get-to-know-you activity in the very beginning of the quarter and both Adam and I brought dice we knew from across the room that we were both named Adam. We both liked dice and games, and so we knew we were kindred spirits. Uh, so um, we, we had that great moment, that sort of nerd nod uh, <laughs> from, from across the room. Um, and then uh, after the class, uh, Adam Davis came up to me and he said, hey, do you want to get paid to come and play improv games in Dungeons & Dragons? And I was like, yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds like the best. Um, and at the time, the group was really just a, a sort of uh, drop-in social group. Um, and then when we came in, we started saying, there's a lot we can do with this. And we were both in a state of uh, sort of um, master's program um, desire to, to want to use all the amazing theories and all the amazing stuff that we were learning. And we um, really had this tremendous opportunity to start diving in saying, oh my gosh, we're this, this is exactly 
what we can be using, all of these amazing theories, all these amazing things that we're learning, and we can apply them right here, but through the game of Dungeons and Dragons that we grew up playing. And when we return, we're going to hear more from Adam Johns and Adam Davis. Game to grow. And my goodness, I never thought of anything like this before. But by the way, people who naysay and talk down so many of the games that young boys and girls play, I don't think see the virtues a lot of these games and a lot of the social skills that can be learned playing them, and particularly Dungeons & Dragons because of its creative space. So when we come back... More of this story, Adam John's story, and Adam Davis's story, their story here on Our American Stories. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we return to Our American Stories and the story of Game to Grow. And by the way, they hail from Kirkland, Washington. And now back to the story of Adam Davis and Adam Johns and how one of their childhood treasures turned into a grad school exercise and ultimately a full-time occupation in therapy. We got our first group going. The parents saw the outcomes. The parents started talking to other parents, inviting us to speak at other engagements. And then all of a sudden, the, the ball started to roll. And then before we knew it, we have continued to grow. And we are now full-time therapeutic game masters and executive directors of Game to Grow. We have a, a sort of a, a theory at Game to Grow where players play the characters that they need to play. So we have a lot of players who, like I said, are socially isolated, who don't have a lot of social aptitude, and they don't really have a lot of experience being charismatic or confident, but they pick characters who are aspirational. A lot of players come in and they, they pick characters who are military leaders, who have on their character sheet that they are very charismatic, that people believe in them. And so we know right away that that's something that, the, that these young people want to, want to play with and want to explore. Um, we have players that come in choosing to play characters that are very similar to themselves, lone wolves who are very isolated in the game. And then we can help that character grow and thus the player grow. And that lone wolf character who wants to go off and solve every problem by themselves, now we put them in a situation in the game where their character needs to rely on somebody else because Dungeons & Dragons is a fellowship game. It's a game where every character has a unique and special ability that, that makes them special. And that's a great life lesson, is that you can't do everything by yourself. And people are gonna rely on you, and you are going to rely on people. And here's what that looks like to ask for help. And here's how good it feels to be able to be the person who can step up and help out the team. In one particular instance uh, where a player really made a choice that I was not expecting, um, the characters had all made their way through this dungeon, and they came up into a room where there was, um, on in one corner of the room, a massive troll of legend uh, who had been imprisoned there. And in the other corner of the room was a series of three unlabeled switches. And uh, across the other side of the room was a metal door that was closed. And it quickly was explained to the players that um, one of the three unlabeled switches would open the door on the other side of the room, allowing them to progress further into their dungeon. Um, and the other two switches, when pulled together, would release the, the massive troll of legend upon the players, but also upon the world itself. And usually how this works is that it's sort of a, um, an interesting uh, challenge where the players can talk to the troll, they can figure out, uh, is the troll lying to us about which switch is which? And, and it's sort of a mix of a puzzle and a social challenge. 
In this case, we had one player who uh, had just joined the group, and the player had described their character as being impulsive and having um, a lot of uh, hyperactivity. And it was an appropriate character for that player to play because <laughs> that player also struggled with those exact same challenges. And that player said, um, I run across the room and I pull all three switches at once. And I've run that scenario several times. That was the first time anybody had ever just decided to pull all three switches. So all of a sudden I had to decide, okay, well, what, what's going to happen here? And what are the consequences of, of effectively just running ahead? And all the other players at the table had gotten out like graph paper and they were getting ready to like solve the puzzle. And they just stood and stared slack-jawed at their teammate who, who might have just done them all in. And what I said was the troll runs across the room and he picks up uh, the impulsive player's character, getting ready to eat them whole. And all the other characters, I said, you're, you're, you're the players at the table, I said, you, you can leave now. The door is open. Uh, but if you leave, you'll be leaving your teammate to be eaten by this, this massive troll of legend. And you'll also be leaving the troll to, to wreak havoc upon the world. You need to decide what your characters would do here. They are heroes in this world. What would they do? And they turned and they debated it with each other and they eventually decided that they would help their teammate. And so they enticed the troll back into the, the cage um, and re-imprisoned the troll. And at the end of that session, we always do a checkout at the end of every session. And at the end of that session, there um, the players all checked out with each other and the impulsive player said, I'm really glad that you guys helped me out there because my character is really impulsive and it's clear that they're going to have to learn how to be less impulsive. And I'm hoping that your characters will help teach them that. And one of the other players at the table also said in the checkout, I'm super glad that you did that because we're all here to basically learn how to navigate this space, how to learn these skills and be better at this. And your character doing that helped make me feel like, like I really belong here. I'm, I struggle with some of the same challenges, and it helped me feel like I belong. And it was an amazing moment for them to realize that they're all in a similar place, and they've all struggled to make friends, to connect with people. Um, and this is a place where that doesn't matter, where they can all get along and where they can m maybe have missteps but they can feel a sense of acceptance here. Part of our mission is to get more games into more communities around the country and around the world. We have traveled and we've done presentations and trainings for therapists who want to get involved. So what we've seen is that a lot of therapists don't have a lot of experience with role-playing games. And then the big barrier to entry, they, they hear the stories, they get excited, they want to participate in this emerging uh, intervention strategy, but they've, they're under-experienced in a game like Dungeons & Dragons. So one of our missions is to create a product that they can then take and it'll help them get started much faster. This project is called Critical Core. It is a beginner box for therapeutic game masters to start helping their participants almost right out of the box. So it's got a really simplified rule set. It's got a facilitator's guide for how to facilitate the game to be a positive pro-social environment with all the improv and all the stuff that we have added on as uh, 
incorporating the play therapy and drama therapy that we have into our game. But then also it's got a very specific module design where the storylines are directly related to a real world areas of social growth. So we might have the room that fills up with lava and that's a way to build frustration tolerance. Or the players have to go and get past a guard and that guard might have a slightly downturned mouth that looks like a frown and then we can work on theory of mind skills and perspective taking where now we can talk about uh, nonverbal social cues and the fact that that guard being sad or upset has nothing to do with you. You have no idea why he's making that facial expression, but in order to get past the guard into the next room in the dungeon or in the castle, we have to be able to relate to him, understand him, and communicate with him. So the, those three components going into Critical Core, uh, I think, will really be how we can get this project out there. We, like Microsoft's vision of a computer on every desk, we want a game on every desk, a game in every school a game in every hospital, a game in every clinic and therapist's office. Uh, that is our mission. So we don't want people to just game more. We want people to game better. Don't just game. Game to grow. And what an interesting story. At first, when I was reading about it, I thought, why should I care? But as so often happens here on this show, you start to hear the story and you go, my goodness, what an interesting way to do therapy. Therapeutic Game Masters. And it just, well, it makes sense. And we've been telling Adam Johns and Adam Davis's story. Great job on this, Robbie. Robbie just sort of bumped into it. These guys are in Kirkland, Washington. And we love to tell stories from all over this great country. Big ones, small ones. Again, Adam Johns and Adam Davis. Game to grow. And I love what they said. Don't just game more. Game better. This is Our American Stories. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show. And our next story comes to us from a man who's simply known as the History Guy. His videos are watched by hundreds of thousands of people of all ages on YouTube. The History Guy is also heard here at Our American Stories. Here's the History Guy with the story of toilet paper. For much of history in many societies, wiping was done with things that were commonly available and disposable. Grass, leaves, moss, straw, even snow. And while in some ways it seems a puerile discussion, actually it tells us something about culture. For example, ancient Greeks used bits of pottery to scrape themselves clean, and there's evidence that they sometimes used ostraca. Ostraca were pieces of pottery that had a name inscribed on them, and it was part of a voting process on whether a person was so bad that they should be kicked out of a community or ostracized. And so if a Greek was using an ostraca for toilet purposes, in essence they were wiping their bottom with their enemy's name. And reusing ostraca in that purpose tells us something about the ancient Greek sense of humor, as well as the extent to which they carried a grudge. The Romans used a tool called a xylospongium, which was essentially a bit of a sponge on a stick. Wealthy Romans might have their own personal xylospongium, but for the most part they were communally used, based on latrines which might accommodate 10 to 20 patrons at a time. The sponge would be rinsed in a mixture of water, salt, and vinegar. Sponges would have been breeding grounds for bacteria, and some historians suggest they served to spread infectious disease. And the items used for this purpose certainly depended upon wealth and social class, with one startling example being the position of groom of the stool, which served the English monarchs from at least the 15th century all the way up to the 20th century. 
The purpose of the position was to have a servant who was responsible for helping the king while he was doing his business. And the first known person to have the position then called yeoman of the stool was one William Grimsby in 1455. It's not really clear if the person was directly responsible for wiping the king's backside, but one of their responsibilities was to make sure that there was blanket, cotton, or linen to wipe the nether end. While the position would seem to be one of the less savory, in fact it became a highly prized position. The groom of the stool, referring to the king's close stool, which was black velvet and fringed with silk, with two pewter basins and four broad yards of tawny cloth, was one of a few attendants who shared true private time and able to speak intimately with the king. Although not a member of the Privy Council, the groom was often more privy to the king's private thoughts than the king's closest advisors. In fact, the groom of the stool would often have so much access to the king's private thoughts that other courtiers were afraid of them for the secrets they held. Over time, the position expanded to include control of the affairs of the king's inner rooms, including making sure the king was well-dressed. The position included perks, like being given the king's old clothes and furnishings. People would petition the groom to advocate on their behalf so that he could use his private time with the king to help someone gain a prized position. The position gained such broad responsibilities and prestige that it was often held by persons of high nobility. The position continued through the Hanoverian kings, but was in abeyance under Victoria and finally eliminated by her son, Edward VII, in 1901. Not surprisingly, the first culture to use paper for their bathroom needs was the Chinese, where paper was invented, perhaps as early as the 8th century BC. In general, most people would have used leftover scraps of paper, but paper specifically for use in the toilet was being mass-produced in China as early as the 14th century, although that might have been largely reserved to the wealthy and much of it used by the emperor's court. Paper didn't make it to Europe until the 11th century. The process was done by hand, pressing fibers on a screen mold. But Johann Gutenberg's invention of the movable type printing press around 1440 caused a printing revolution in Europe and greatly increased demand for paper, and papermaking became an industry. While people were likely using paper scraps in the bathroom in Europe as soon as paper reached the continent, in practice paper was expensive and would hardly have been used for such purpose. There were, however, exceptions. 16th century English churchman John Bale mourned that books dispersed from the dissolution of the monasteries by Henry VIII were being purchased by nobles to rub their booties. Still, paper was rare enough in the 18th century that it was not the most common tool for the job. In colonial America, despite the availability of printed materials, corn cobs were most commonly used for bathroom duty. It wasn't until the end of the 18th century, the first patent was in France in 1799, that paper-making machines using continuous rollers were invented. The new process was far cheaper and faster, and printing and paper products proliferated. By the early part of the 19th century, people in Europe and America were most commonly using scrap paper in their bathrooms. Using a bit of newspaper or catalog makes sense. The paper was essentially free and offered reading material for that private time as well. The hole that is traditionally drilled in the corner of the old farmer's almanac was reportedly to allow the book to be hung by a hook in the outhouse. Joseph Gayetti is generally credited with producing the first commercially marketed toilet paper in 1857. Gaetti's paper was called therapeutic paper and was sold in single sheets at the cost of a thousand sheets for a dollar. His paper was claimed to have medical benefits, especially as treatment for hemorrhoids. Ads at the time suggested that ink papers were toxic when used on sensitive parts. Oddly, Gaetti's papers were each watermarked, J.C. Gaetti, New York. 
Getty's product was one of the few sold at the time and continued to be sold into the 20th century, but the product had limited success. It was a prudish age, and Americans were embarrassed to buy a product meant for their behinds. And many could not afford to or see the value in paying for paper when so much of it, for example the Sears and Roebuck catalog, was free. Developments such as patenting processes to sell paper on a roll with perforated sheets still struggled commercially because in Victorian times the use of the paper was, well, unmentionable. But another new technology was about to change that. In 1829, the Tremont House Hotel in Boston became the first hotel in America to use indoor plumbing. As cities developed municipal water systems, slowly technology for the water closet improved. Early in the 19th century, American manufacturers were behind those of Britain, and most equipment for water closets was imported. But by the end of the century, American manufacturers were producing better products, and more and more upscale homes featured indoor water closets. New Yorkers Clarence and Edward Scott founded Scott Paper in 1879 in Philadelphia. They didn't make paper, nor did they sell directly to consumers. Instead, they bought paper in bulk and marketed rolls of perforated toilet paper through third parties, such as hotels and drugstores. That avoided the sensitivity of the subject, and the paper became seen as a special amenity of fancy hotels that featured indoor water closets. It was a healthy and hygienic product sold at drugstores. Their marketing system worked, and they eventually packaged their paper for more than 2,000 brands. But as more and more homes were being equipped with indoor bathrooms, newspapers and catalogs seemed less appropriate and would clog the pipes. At the same time, people wanted to buy brands that they'd seen at upscale hotels. In 1902, the Scott Company purchased the trademark to their most popular third-party seller, Waldorf Bathroom Tissue, and began marketing it to consumers directly under the Scott brand. For the first time, the company started manufacturing its own paper. Again, the product was successful, although still marketed as a health product whose packaging did not mention the product's unmentionable function. The company quickly became the world's largest manufacturer of the product. As indoor plumbing became more common in the United States and Europe, the product slowly became indispensable. But there were developments in both marketing and manufacturing. In 1928, the brand Charmin, a play on the word charming, began packaging the product using feminine-looking designs, appealing to homemakers and creating an image of softness and femininity. The shift once again helped to remove stigma from marketing it. As late as 1935, the Quilted Northern brand advertised that their paper was splinter-free, which may have been more of a marketing strategy than a different paper process, but emphasized that the product was about comfort as well as hygiene. Later, things like multi-ply tissue and scented brands broadened and differentiated the market further. Still, it took a long time for the unmentionable to become mentionable. It wasn't until the 1970s that television networks in the U.S. allowed advertising under the name toilet paper, rather than the less descriptive name bathroom tissue. Today, toilet paper is big business. More than 7 billion rolls are sold in the United States annually, although for some 70% of the world, toilet paper is still not the primary way that they deal with their bathroom business. It's become such a part of culture in America that a character in a Sherman ad campaign called Mr. Whipple, a store manager who extorted customers to please don't squeeze the Sherman, ran for nearly 60 years. A 1978 TV Guide survey found that Mr. Whipple was the third most recognized man in America behind former President Richard Nixon and evangelist Billy Graham. And if that's true, it means that in 1978, Mr. Whipple was more widely recognized in America than then-president Jimmy Carter. I can't explain why people are panic buying toilet paper today. I'll leave current events up to other people, but it does seem ironic that we're rushing out to buy toilet paper when just a hundred years ago, Americans couldn't even figure out why they needed the product when there was so much free paper available.
but one of the most common solutions is no longer available to us. According to the Sears archive, due to changes in retailing trends, Sears stopped producing its general catalog in 1993. And you've been listening to The History Guy, and you can find all of his work on YouTube. Just put in The History Guy, and you'll find his YouTube channel. And a special thanks to him for allowing us to, to share his storytelling with us. And we love telling stories about history. But again, these innovations, while well, they make life better for us, and free enterprise does it, and, and inventors do it. And who would have known that such a story, well, would be so interesting? And again, go to The History Guy at his YouTube channel. And thanks to Greg Hengler for, as always, bringing some of the best History Guy storytelling the story of toilet paper, here on Our American Stories. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.